Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just so grateful to be in your house this morning, gathered together as your church, and had this time to join together in worship. Oh Lord, I pray today as we continue worship by opening up your word, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, let us see the message you have for us today from your word. And Lord, give us uh, hearts of obedience that as we listen to your word, Lord, we leave here and obey your word. Bless this time today, O oh Lord, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Continuing our study of the kingdom parables there in Matthew's gospel. Today we are looking at two parables. Uh, we have been taking one at a time, but today there's two that go hand in hand together. The parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. And so we're going to look at both of those here today because they kind of teach the same lesson. As we have, just to kind of give you a review of where we have been, we began to look at the parable a few weeks back, and we've looked at two parables thus far. We've seen the parable of the sower, or you might say the parable of the souls, because really the focus of that war was the soul, uh, the soul that the sower was going and sowing into. And we, we learned from that that the, the condition of the heart matters. If the heart is soft, to God's Word, if it's been conditioned, if it's been prepared by the Lord, then the seed goes in, it takes root, and it produces kingdom fruit. And then last week, or last time we looked at this, not last week, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the parable of the weeds, the parable of the weeds. And so the sower went out and sowed his field, an enemy came in after him and sowed weeds and so we see that in this world the Lord has sowed his children the children of the kingdom throughout the world but Satan has also sowed his seed the the weeds that that grow up together with the children of God but one day judgment is coming the day of judgment is coming and on that day both weed and wheat will be harvested the weeds to be burned in eternal fire, and the wheat to be gathered into God's barns into, eternal, into his eternal kingdom. So we've looked at those, and we've seen both, in those, both of those parables a word of warning, a word of warning for those who are outside the kingdom, and a word of encouragement for children of the kingdom. As we've talked about, the parables themselves, they are an act of judgment against those who refuse to hear the plain teaching of the gospel, but they are also a blessing to the children of the kingdom who listen, who receive as it reveals more about the kingdom. And so today we continue that, and today we'll see both that warning and encouragement in today's parables, the parables of the mustard seed and the parables of the leaven. So if you found your place then, stand with me in reverence to the reading 
of God's holy word. Starting in verse 31, hear the word of the Lord. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make, make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Now, as we looked at the past couple of parables, those first two that we, we considered, we had those two parables, and then Jesus followed up with the explanation. But as we go through the rest of the chapter, chapter 13 of Matthew, we don't get those explanations. But we have as a background those two parables where Jesus, he told the parable, and he explained it to his disciples. And so uh, hopefully now that we're kind of let loose to interpret these parables as Jesus gives them to us. Hopefully we have enough background information that we can kind of uh, take and be able to explain these parables, interpret these parables on our own. Uh, be the judge of that and uh, tell me if I do all right. When we think about the kingdom of heaven, that's what these parables are about. They're about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is telling that. And as the people whom he is speaking to hear this phrase, the kingdom of heaven, or in other places it may be called the kingdom of God, they all have the same thing in mind. I mean, they were looking for God's kingdom to come. And as they are thinking, those first century Palestinians are, are hearing this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. They have envisioned a, a renewal, a rebirth of the kingdom of David. They are looking back to the glory days of Israel when King David rose to power and he delivered Israel from all of her enemies and he established a, a mighty and great kingdom. That's what they're looking for. And so as they are, are anticipating the coming Messiah, the, the seed of David who would once again establish God's kingdom, they're looking for that kind of kingdom. They're looking for that kind of power. They want to see greatness take place. And so they're looking for a leader, a king to rise to power with greatness to come and deliver them from all of the oppressive governments that have been ruling over them for centuries at this point. They're looking for someone to conquer the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Assyrians, the Greeks, and of course, in Jesus' day, the Romans. Someone to rule over them on behalf of God and they're looking for greatness they're looking for someone to come on the scene with great might and power someone that the world can get behind and follow 
And isn't that what we all look for? Even in our day and time, we look for that kind of persona to come forth and lead our nation. We want excitement. We want awesomeness. I mean, think about when our world leaders come to the stage. Think about the President of the United States. Does he kind of come up to the podium? Well, good morning. Glad all of y'all are here today. And give a speech? No, no, no. He waits in the back, and, and he has this grand introduction. When he goes to give the State of the Union, the the. the Sergeant of Arms comes out on the floor of, of Congress and, Speaker, the President of the United States. And everyone rises and claps as he comes into the building. It's a grand entrance, and every time the President makes an entrance, it's a grand entrance. And you see, the people of Jesus' day, as they think about the Messiah coming, they were looking for someone to come with a grand entrance, to spring up with great power. Here I am. Conquer Romans. As Jesus begins to tell this parable of the kingdom of heaven, it becomes apparent that that's not a part of God's plan. It's not a part of God's plan. In fact, throughout history, that has not been God's normal way of operation. You think about even King David. When King David come as, became king, was he the one who made this grand entrance? Well, no. Not at all. In fact, you had Samuel, the prophet, he went out, God gave him orders, go to the house of Jesse and anoint for me a king. And he goes out to the house of Jesse and he, he says, Jesse, call in all of your sons because God has chosen one of them to be a king. And so uh, Jesse brings in all of his sons and Solomon, uh, uh, excuse me, the prophet uh, Samuel, he goes through all of the sons. Nope, not this one. Nope, not this one. Nope, not this one. Not this one either. Well, what gives, Jesse? Is this all of your sons? Well, sure, this is all of them. Well, there, there is the runt of the litter. He's out in the fields keeping the, the sheep, watching over my flocks, but sur surely it's not him. Bring him in here, Jesse. He comes. He stands before the prophet. This is the one. This is God's anointed. This little shepherd boy was the instrument that God used to deliver his nation and make them great and mighty. And now comes the kingdom of heaven. The Messiah, the chosen one of God who has been anointed to deliver his people does he have a grand entrance? No. Not at all. But nevertheless, this is the chosen one who will bring God's kingdom. So as we began to look at this this morning and consider these two parables, and we kind of we, we need to learn a lesson for ourselves, take a lesson for ourselves from this parable. So today as we look at this, here's what I hope we learn. 
as the church faithfully proclaim the gospel and watch God bring about incomprehensible kingdom growth. All right? Let me say that again. We are to faithfully proclaim the gospel and watch God bring about incomprehensible kingdom growth. So let's get into it this morning. And first, we're going to start with the explanation. The explanation. We need to look at these two parables and we need to make sure that we understand them because this is, these are parables coming from another time and another place and, and we may not understand them very well. So let's look at them. First, we have the, the parable of the mustard seed. The parable of the mustard seed. Here he says the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like this, right? He's taking something common, something tangible, something that, that we can see and understand to explain something that, that's intangible. We can't see it. We can't see it. We can't touch it and feel it and understand it. We can understand the kingdoms of the world. We can understand the kingdom of America because, because we see America and we can define its boundaries and we can define its citizens, those who are naturally born and those through, who go through the process of immigration become a citizen. We can define those things. We can see those things. But it's not so with the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a spiritual kingdom right now. Oh, one day it will be a, 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 a tangible kingdom. One day it will be visible to all who see it. But it's a spiritual kingdom now. It's a spiritual kingdom, and you don't come into the kingdom through natural processes. You come it to, into it through a spiritual process, through spiritual rebirth. And so we need this tangible, this, this common thing to help us understand the intangible, the thing that we can't see and understand as well. So he tells this, the kingdom of heaven... It's like the grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. So in the past two parables, the sower went out and sowed by broadcasting. That's not the kind of, broad, that's not the kind of sowing we're doing now. Now we've got a seed, a single seed, and the sower goes out and he digs a little hole and he plants the seed down in the hole and covers it up and lets nature take its course, right? So... He takes this one seed, he plants it, he sows it in his garden. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Now, a mustard seed, the mustard is a common, is a common herb in, in Palestinian, first tree Palestine. Uh, we use it today. It comes in a little yellow jar, and we pour it on our hot dogs or whatever. And, and so we use it for seasoning in that sense. They didn't have the yellow mustard can uh, jar, but they, they used mustard in their food. It was a, a commonly used for seasoning. It also had medicinal purposes. They used it for medicine, for different kinds of ailments. And so this was a commonly used herb in first century Palestine. And so the Palestinians who are listening to this parable, they understand this. 
They get what he is saying. This is something that they used every day. They grew it. Many of them probably had a mustard plant growing back there in their backyard somewhere, back over in their field, so that they could use the mustard as an herb in their food. Now, Jesus says here that the mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. Now, we need to address a little problem here because this is where a lot of those who like to argue against Christianity will come in and say, well, see, Jesus couldn't be, defi- couldn't be divine. He, he certainly couldn't be God. He, he certainly couldn't have known all things because if he know, knew all things, then he wouldn't say that a mustard seed was the smallest seed because we know nowadays in our great intellect that the mustard seed is not the smallest seed. The, the wild orchid is the smallest a seed. But Jesus, his, his point is not to give us a scientific lesson on what the smallest seed is. He's trying to prove a point. He's trying to teach a point to his audience. If he had said the smallest seed is the wild orchid seed, his audience would have scratched their, what are you talking about? Wild orchid? What? It would have made sense to them. But he is taking something that they know, they understand. To them, this was the smallest seed that they would plant in their garden, right? He even clarifies it. It's the smallest of seeds that someone would plant in their garden. And so he clarifies all of this. He's not trying to give a lesson, a scientific lesson on what the smallest seed in the world is. He's trying to teach us a, a lesson about the kingdom of heaven. And so... Don't pay any attention to all of those who would try to lead you astray by saying, well, see, that's the, just, he's not right here. He's incorrect because the smallest seed is the wild orchid seed. That's not Jesus' point. And this was a commonly used uh, analogy in that first century Palestinian uh, teachings. We have other instances of this in other writings that date back close to Jesus' time frame that use that same kind of analogy. They, they take the smallest of the mustard seed because it is a tiny little seed. And, and they take that to, to show how it grows up into something great and big. And so other teachers of Jesus' day use that same analogy. So Jesus is taking something that is common to his audience to teach them a spiritual lesson, teach them about something that they can't feel and touch and understand through natural human reasoning. And so he tells this, it's the smallest of seeds, but then that seed grows up to be a tree. Now again, if you know plants, you know that technically a mustard uh, plant is not a tree. It's not. It's technically, it's a, a plant. It's a bush. Right? But, again, in the Palestinian mind frame, those mustard plants got to be as big as a tree. In fact, there's records showing that some mustard, mustard trees, mustard plants in, in that date back to that first century Palestine, got to be, grow as large as 12 foot tall. If you've ever been to Israel, I haven't, I've just seen pictures, but if you've ever been there in Israel, you know that there's not a lot of 12-foot-tall trees. Trees aren't, aren't very plentiful there. And, and so Jesus, teaching this lesson, he's, he's, trying to, he, he's using 
what we call uh, rhetorical hyperbole. He's using exaggerated language to, to get across a point, to teach a lesson. So, this little tiny seed that you can barely see if you held it in your hand, when planted into the ground, grows into a great tree-like bush. It becomes very large. And it grows so that birds of the air can come, land in the tree, go into the tree, build their nest, find sanctuary in the tree, find shelter and security and sustenance they find food in there as they can eat the 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 seeds that come off of the mustard tree and so that's the image that we have here's the the lesson that we get from the mustard seed from a tiny seed comes a mighty tree now we're going to interpret that more in a moment but that's the point from this tiny little seed comes a great and mighty tree that provides shelter security and sustenance for the birds who come to live within it then we have the parable of the leaven the parable of the leaven where the seed grows a mighty tree the leaven becomes pervasive now again when we think about leaven uh, leaven is uh, a fermenting agent that is put into dough to make it rise. And so, ladies, if you've ever cooked bread or yeast rolls, you know a little bit about this. Uh, you go to the grocery store today, you go to the grocery store, and you buy a little package of yeast, and you pour that, mix that up in your flour, and you let it sit there, let it start to rise, let the yeast activate and work through the dough, and it makes your bread rise. Well, First century Palestine, they couldn't just drive down to the local market and pick up a package of yeast. Uh, they had to have leaven, naturally grown leaven. And so what they would do, they would take uh, some dough and they would mix it up and get it all ready. And then they would have to wait for a long time. It takes quite a while to let that uh, let the bacteria, that's what it is, begin to grow within the yeast so, or begin to grow within the dough so that it would rise and make those nice fluffy loaves of bread. But you didn't want to do that every time you go to make bread because, I mean, it would take a week to make one loaf of bread if you had to react, you know, make that new leaven every week. But what they would do, they would, they would create that first bread, that first round get it good and leaven, and then after they got the, the dough ready, they would pinch off a piece of that dough, and they would hide it away, maybe in a bowl, maybe in their flour sack, whatever, uh, and they would hide it away. They would make the loaf out of the, the bread that they had, and then they would save that leaven, that little lump of leaven, for the next day. And so the next day, they would go, they'd get ready to make their bread, they would mix up their flour and their water and get the, the, the dough ready, and then they would take that little lump of leaven, they would mix it in with the rest of the dough, give it time to, to ferment, just like you let your bread rise, they would let their bread rise, it would, get, it would rise, the leaven would work through the whole lump, and then they would take a pinch off, put it aside in a container, They'd make bread and save that, next, that little lump of leaven for the next day's bread. And so that's what we're talking about, the leaven. 
that little clump. And he says, Jesus says, a woman, she goes and she takes this leaven and she mixes it in her flour, that little clump, that small clump of dough that has leaven in it. She takes it and she mixes it in the lump that is three measures big. Three measures, by the way, is roughly 50 pounds of dough. And that little bitty ball of leaven works through 50 pounds of dough. It slowly works its way through until the whole 50 pounds is leaven. So you see, he says the kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom of heaven is pervasive. It's widespreading. It starts in a small little lump, but it spreads throughout the whole lump of dough. So, from a little leaven comes pervasive, widespread growth. So you have the mighty tree from the seed and pervasive, widespread growth from the leaven. So you kind of get that? That's the explanation that kind of working in your mind now. You kind of get a picture. Now let's look at the interpretation. The interpretation. And the kingdom principle that we get from these two parables is this. From meager beginnings, God will grow a mighty and pervasive kingdom. Get that? From meager beginnings, from the smallest of things, God, God will grow a mighty and pervasive kingdom. From the seed of Abraham comes a mighty kingdom. From the seed of Abraham comes a mighty kingdom. You think back, we have just talked about the life of Abraham. And one of the great promises that God made to Abraham was through your offspring, through your seed, will all the nations of the earth be blessed. One seed, one offspring, that was the focus of the Abrahamic covenant, that one seed. And here we have the seed of Abraham and the seed of David and Jesus Christ. The one seed comes. He doesn't look like much. He doesn't make the grand entrance of a mighty world leader. But Isaiah 53, 2 says, from, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one little seed that looked so insignificant he is the seed of Abraham. He is the seed of David who comes and God plants him into the ground. He dies on Calvary's cross. He gives his life and God plants him in the ground. And three days later, he quietly bursts out of the tomb. The nations didn't see it. A few Roman soldiers, some of his disciples got to see him. 
But again, it wasn't this grand explosion. Quietly, He came out of the ground and quietly He established His kingdom and He rules and He reigns from heaven over His kingdom. It has grown mighty and powerful and big and strong throughout the world. This one seed. This one seed. Jesus Christ. From the one seed, God established a mighty, mighty kingdom. And this kingdom has become a sanctuary. Jesus has become a sanctuary. He provides security and shelter and sustenance for all of those who come and rest in His branches. Throughout all of the world. Many scholars believe that Jesus is playing here on the passage in Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4 is Nebuchadnezzar has a dream similar to this. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of a great tree stretching to the heavens and its branches covering all of the earth and all of creation come in under its branches and eat off of its fruit. And that's the kind of tree that Jesus has become. Now Nebuchadnezzar's dream ends with the tree being cut down as a judgment against Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom. But God's seed, the mustard seed, doesn't get cut down. It's planted. It grows. And all of those who come and find sanctuary in Jesus have safety, security in His arms eternal life so that as we read in Paul's in Romans earlier Paul said what can separate us from the love of God can trials can tribulation can famine can sword can any of these things separate us from the love of God no no matter what happens to us in this life when we are in Jesus we are safe and secure for all of eternity. Jesus is the tiny seed planted by God to make a mighty kingdom. So from the seed of Abraham comes a mighty kingdom. And second, from a small band of believers comes a world-pervading kingdom. From a small band of believers comes a world-pervading kingdom just like the lump. Remember, who did Jesus leave behind to share the gospel with the world? He started with 12 ordinary men. And he sent those 12 men, his disciples, out into the world. And what happened? Look at the world around you. Look at what those 12 men have done. You and I are sitting here today because of those 12 men whom God sent out from Jerusalem with the gospel. Oh, what God can do with such small, 
seemingly insignificant things. He took those 12 men and he built a mighty kingdom through the message that they preached. Thus is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. It had such small beginnings. One man who took 12 disciples and used them in a mighty way. And look at the kingdom today. Christianity is the largest religion in the world. We have brothers and sisters in Christ <laughs> all over this nation and throughout all of the world. And it all started with one man, Jesus Christ, who taught the, taught the gospel to 12 men who spread it out from there. This week as we were in Boston, a friend that we met up there, Chris Cossey, he is another church planner who's working up there. We work with Kevin Sanders, but Chris Cossey, we met him, and he, he is a history buff. He loves history, and so he took us on a spiritual uh, tour, a spiritual history tour of Boston. And as we ended in Boston Common, he, he came to this parable, and he shared this with us. So I want to share that with us today because it really helps us understand we have this image in our mind better probably than leaven and a mustard seed. A few years, Chris uh, took his wife out to uh, the Sequoia National Forest there in Northern California where all the big redwoods grow. And he went out there and he was going through there and of course he went to General Sherman. Does anybody know who Gen what General Sherman is? We're not talking about the Union uh, General who, you know, Went through the south. We're talking about a big giant sequoia tree. It is the largest tree in all of the world. The largest tree in all of the world. It is a massive, massive tree. This giant sequoia is 275 feet tall. That's way up there. It is 36 feet and a half foot wide, feet wide at its base. Now, I came in this morning, did a little measuring. From this edge of the post, all the way to this edge of the post is about 36 foot long. That's 36 feet. So, a little bit more there. Right? That's how wide that tree is. 275 foot tall. Isn't that wide? Around, it would cover out about the third, fourth row there, maybe. I don't know. And it would take in all the choir loft back here. That's a big tree. That's a big tree. Chris said he got to looking around. He wanted a, a pine cone from this great sequoia. He looked around and he, he found a, a, a pine cone that was about that big. And he said, my goodness, this has to be it. And so he, he found a park ranger. He called him over there. Said, Sir, is this a pine cone from that great tree? And he said, no, no, son, that's not a pine cone from that great tree. He was thinking, oh, my goodness. 
what kind of bag, what kind of trailer am I going to need to haul that kind of pine tree back home, uh, pine cone back home with me? So the ranger came over. He said, here is the pine cone from that great tree from General Sherman. Right there. Now that's not the seed either. Within this seed, hundreds of thousands of seed within this pine cone. Now most of you won't be able to see this. Chris gave me a seed from the sequoia. And it's that little dot right there. Right there. That little dot grew a tree that's 275 feet tall, 36 and a half feet wide. That little seed. King Jesus says, from that little seed, I will grow a mighty and wide kingdom. You know, the General Sherman, they, they, they uh, scientists believe that the General Sherman is roughly about 2,000 years old. That little seed was planted about the time of, that Jesus Christ was walking the earth. Now imagine that mighty tree. From the very smallest of things, God can grow mighty, pervasive kingdom. Application, application, and I'll move quickly. First of all, what do we learn from this? What does this teach us? What do we leave here in, within our mind? First of all, we need to proclaim the gospel. We need to be faithful to proclaim the gospel. We don't worry about the results. We don't worry about all of those things. From God comes the growth. We don't worry about all of those other things. We plant the gospel. We sow the seed. We go out and speak truth. As we went on our mission trip and went about our mission trip, oh, I love the people that went, man. You guys are great. Because you want to talk about people, talking about the gospel with people on the train, on the bus. I mean, we got some talkers, I'm going to just tell you. We got some good talkers. They can talk, start up a conversation with anybody. And I was just amazed watching some of our people sitting there on the bus, looking over to the person next to them, striking up a conversation, and then turning it to spiritual things. They were planting seeds. No, nobody fell on their knees and came to Christ on the bus or, the, or on the train. But the seed was planted. The seed was planted. And that's all we do. We just plant that little tiny seed. And we let God worry about the growth. Who knows what God might do with that little seed, one of those little seeds that were planted this past week from First Bastrop of Louisiana. We must proclaim the gospel, be faithful to proclaim the gospel. Plant those seeds. We trust God for the growth. 
you, th- you, you think about each of these parables. The person who plants is not the one who causes the growth. The person who puts the, the woman who puts the leaven in with the, all, all the other dough is not the one who causes the leaven to grow and pervade throughout the whole lump. That's all God's doing. Only He can cause the growth. So we plant the seed and we let God worry with the growth. Trust God for the growth. And dear friend, number three, don't be fooled by the current state of the kingdom. Don't be fooled by the current state of the kingdom. Dear friend, as we look across the nation today, as we look across the world, we can see the kingdom of heaven under attack. It's always been under attack, right? It's always been under attack. We've only had a, a few years of luxury here in the United States, a few years of protection, but now that protection is being lifted away. It's being removed, and, and we're starting to see some of the attack come home here in the States. And we think, oh my goodness, what in the world is going on? God, are you not in control? Can you not do something? Don't be fooled. The current state of the kingdom, the kingdom is fine. King Jesus is still on his throne. He tells us in his book that this will happen. He tells us in the book that persecution comes. Times of tribulation, they come. But King Jesus rules and reigns. His kingdom will not fall. His kingdom will not be cut down. It will not be destroyed. It will only grow and grow and grow until that great day when King Jesus will come down from his throne and step foot on this earth and he will deliver the judgment blow on all of his enemies. We don't have to worry about the kingdom. The kingdom is fine. Dear friend, if you're here today and you're thinking, why should I be interested in Christianity? Look at the way Christianity is going these days. Look at all the denominations who are falling away from the gospel. Look at all the denominations who are falling away from the word of God and following the course of the world. Why should I be interested in what you're selling? King Jesus is still on his throne. And one day all of his enemies will be done away with. They will be judged. God in his grace is withholding judgment for the day until he calls all of his elect in. Once the final child of God is called into his kingdom, then the king will come in judgment. Dear friend, are you prepared for the king's return? Are you ready? Are you ready for that day? The kingdom of heaven, dear friend, wins. Jesus' kingdom wins. It grows strong. It grows wide. There's nothing to stop it. God is causing its growth. And one day we will see it visibly when King Jesus brings it and establishes it here in this world and in this earth.
Dear Christian, do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you believe that, then faithfully proclaim the gospel. Faithfully proclaim the gospel. Just go proclaim. Proclaim the gospel. Tell it to your neighbor. Tell it to your friend. Tell it to the people down the street. Tell it to the people you work with, the people you see down here, there, and yonder, in the doctor's office, wherever. Proclaim the gospel. And watch God bring about the incomprehensible kingdom growth. Let Him be responsible for the growth. Proclaim the gospel. And dear friend, I ask you this, are you sure you're on the winning team? Have you come into the, the branches of Jesus? Found sanctuary in Him? If not, let today be the day that you look to Him. Turn to Jesus. Trust in His saving grace. Come into His kingdom. Come into His eternal kingdom. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You. We thank You that 2,000 years ago You sent Your Son Jesus like a mustard seed. Nothing to look at. No, no mark of grandeur. But you sent him quietly. Die on the cross. Be planted in the ground. And start growing your kingdom. And we're thankful for those 12 ordinary men that Lord you sent out into the world and all of the disciples who followed after them and, and oh, to see your kingdom grow throughout all of the earth so that we have brothers and sisters from every tribe and tongue and people around the world. Oh, Lord. Yet today, Lord, surely there are those here who have not entered in, who have not trusted in Jesus, who have not come under His branches. Oh Lord, turn their hearts today. Turn their hearts today. Let them see Jesus. Let them come into the kingdom. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.